You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. How are you doing today, Becky? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, like we had just some amazing Facebook messages going back and forth the last couple of days. Um, booking a female podcast guest is totally different than getting a male on with our emojis and smiley faces and everything um, going back and forth. And I'm just super stoked for what we are going to share with our audiences today. Um, so you guys that are jumping on to watch the live, let us know in the comments where you're tuning in from. Um, we're really excited to, to have you on and we're going to go over um, some pretty interesting topics today with Becky that's not 100% you know, female only content. Um, we will give some, some love to, to the guys. Um, we're going to talk about creative financing and you know, just quite a few quite a few things that I think you guys will be really excited about. So Becky, thank you so much for joining me. Um, why don't we start with you, like just letting everybody who's tuning in today know a little bit about who you are, where you live, um, and your background, like getting into real estate. Sure. So I always explain to people that I am a cancer researcher by day and a real estate investor by night. Um, I have worked um, in pharmaceuticals for the past like 10, 15 years. Um, at a point, I actually, I never thought I'd end up buying a house. Like that was not a goal of mine at all. At all. I never wanted to own a property. Um, back in my 20s, I'd actually left the pharmaceutical industry. I moved over to Europe. I used to have a tour company in Spain for years where I taught Spaniards how to play beer pong and go on pub crawls. Um, I then moved, uh, seriously, <laughs> I taught them what Super Bowl squares is, all the fun American things. Um, and then I moved to Portugal and I bought a bar in Portugal. Um, and I'd run that for a couple of years. Unfortunately, I ended up losing like a ton of money in Portugal, lost my business in Spain. And I moved back to the States back in 2013, really penniless and homeless, um, which is interesting now that I ended up in real estate. So I went back to the pharmaceutical world. Um, I was doing medical consulting at the time and started dating my now husband. And he wanted to buy a house like no other, Devin. He would not stop talking about it. This was his dream. He's an immigrant to this country. So like it was the American dream for him to own a house. And I totally. was like, if you will shut up, we'll buy a house. <laughs> like, I got it. So I, I came up with this brilliant idea that if we were going to buy a house, we should buy it where we would be able to make some money off of it. So I said, well, let's buy a duplex where we can live in one side of it and rent out the other and pretty much live rent free. And right. I thought this was like the most unique idea. I thought I was like the coolest person ever for thinking of this. So we bought our first duplex in 2018 and I was just totally hooked on real estate. I was like, there was so much potential here. Why is everybody not doing this? Right. So I started to look into it and that's when I found out that there were other people in this world that had the idea similar to me to house hack. Um, and I learned that word. So we just kind of grew from there. Um, so far we've bought 10 doors in the past two years. And then it's really kind of become my thing of pushing us forward to buy real estate. So mm -hmm. I needed a place where I can start to ask questions and just really start to learn a lot more. So I started a group a couple months ago called lady landlords 
on Facebook. And I realized that there are actually thousands of other women out there that Mm -hmm. same questions and are looking for the same information. So now I have a beginners and intermediate course and I really just moderate the group and make sure to provide whatever resources we need to be able to become financially independent. It's awesome. I love your group, by the way. I've been in it for a little while. I mean, I don't know if I was in it maybe shortly after you started it. Um, And then when we messaged each other not too long ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I know who you are. I'm in your your group. Um, I think, you know, if everybody watching didn't pick up, you live in New York City, right? So investing where you are, like, tell us what that is like. Um, It's kind of a different beast. Um, just because clearly the, just the cost of living here is so much higher. I mean, trust me, like these groups, when I hear people being like talking about like house prices of other places in the country where they're like, oh, why can I have four family for like a hundred grand? I'm like, where, where? Can you? <laughs> um, so New York is a little bit different because it is so expensive here. So it does take, it takes, I feel like a different strategy on the front side, just trying to come up with the funds to be able to purchase properties. Yeah. But otherwise it's kind of the same strategy. Like, yes, I could buy a place somewhere else for $50,000 and make a couple hundred dollars a month. But yes, my mortgage payment's going to be a lot less. But here in New York, yes, I'm making more money, but I have a bigger mortgage payment. So it really kind of balances out. So I feel like the major difference is how to pay for it at the start. That's the, I think the number one question people get in New York or this area. I think that's a question for people, for people everywhere. You know, I talk to investors all day, every day, or people who are wanting to get started in real estate. Um, And creative financing is one of the things that I really wanted to talk with you about today. Um, You know, maybe share some of the different ways that either you yourself or just with like researching and educating folks, some of the creative ways to acquire properties. Sure. So, I mean, there what I love about this business is I feel that real estate is just a puzzle and you're just looking for the pieces to figure out how to put it together. So mm-hmm. one of the major parts for me is actually networking just because you have no idea what other people out there have or who they can connect you with. And when you network, you're not necessarily trying to figure out what the person in front of you can offer, but what their network behind them can actually offer. So I feel like that's kind of a very big mistake that a lot of people make in networking being like, Hey, can you give me this money for this? No, you can't. Okay, fine. You're useless to me. And that's not true because everybody out there knows hundreds and thousands of people there that they can connect you with. That might be a better fit for what you're looking for. So the strategies of just personally seller financing to me, I think is absolutely fantastic. I think that that is one of the best options out there. Um, And I think the way that I've actually found things for seller financing is also through networking. It's through just making sure that other people out there know that when they think of real estate, that they should think of Becky Nova. And by doing that, I get people that'll call me all the time being like, Hey, there's this property. This is what's going on with it. Can you do something with it? And I'm like, probably let me figure that out. And then I go back and I think of all the other people that I know that could possibly make that deal work. Um, And then same thing on the other side, I get people that'll call me and be like, I don't really want to be there dealing with tenants where I am changing light bulbs in the middle of the night, but I have some money and I would like to invest in it. What can I do with money? And I'm like, cool, I'll give you something to do with your money (laughs) and not a problem. And then I just kind of put those two sides together. So I think it's really the idea that what I try to do is keep in mind what my goal is in my strategy. So I am a buy and hold investor. I like my under six units 
Um, I like places that are kind of those class C, almost becoming like a class B area. That's kind of my shtick. That's what I stick to. But Mm -hmm. no one's going to come to me. I had a friend of mine that from one of my networking groups, he came to me and he was like, hey, listen, I really want to do a flip. I got these two places. I thought it'd be great if we could work on this together. Here are the numbers. Want to go look at them. And I was like, I looked at the numbers and I was like, cool. Like maybe this is something that'll work. So I always keep my opportunities open, but I still stick to my plan. That's what I do on my day to day, but I'm always waiting and listening for what other opportunities are out there. Gotcha. Um, Your strategy is, I mean, it's pretty similar to ours for our portfolio. And then a lot of the investors that we, that we work with, they're mostly single family, some duplexes. Our markets are totally different than yours. Like we're not in New York city. We are the people who are, um, you know, investing in those deals that are a hundred K and under Midwest and the South, but same, same, similar, you know, type of, of strategy with those smaller homes under, Mm -hmm. most of ours are under four units. Um, and we're buy and hold as well as are the investors that are working with us. And a lot of them, you know, either they fit in the Fannie Freddie box (laughs) or they don't, or they fit in the Fannie Freddie box, but they want to move faster. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you like, have you come across, um, creative ways outside of seller financing for people who wanted to like move really fast to build a port, a portfolio? Sure private money, lines of credit, like what yeah. have you seen work for people? So actually our, I did um, an intermediate course on kind of how to grow. And one of the first things that I recommend with people there is figuring out what your risk tolerance is. Are you a person that's okay kind of over leveraging yourself and kind of teetering that line of as a risk taker? Or are you going to be the person that's going to be checking your numbers and making sure that you get that rent every single um, first of the month? So yeah. for the people that I feel like are a little more on the conservative side, that's where there's definitely the opportunity to build a, keep saving for your down payment, take the cash flow from the first property and roll that into the second property, buy something a little bigger each time. That way you're not over leveraged. You know, you have the money there. Um, that's also the group that I would say it's a great opportunity to use your HELOC, your line of credit on your property, or also to do a cash out refinance. Um, because then that way you're, you're not kind of going nuts and completely, just, you know, throwing out all this money and hoping that it's going to work out in between. So that for conservatives, I usually kind of recommend for that type of group of people that want to be able to like sleep comfortably at night and not have to worry about their portfolio, that it's mm-hmm. really focusing on saving HELOCs and your cash out refinances. For the people that are like, I want to buy at least a property a year and they really want to grow a little bit faster than that. That's why I feel like you need to get a little more creative. That's where I feel like you're going to have to sit there and really think about, well, let's possibly go find a private money lender or a hard money lender. Two completely different groups of people, in my personal opinion. Um, They're both out there. And I think what's important there is just making sure you understand your numbers. I don't think there's any problem with borrowing money or having to look for all those alternative sources, but you have to understand fees that are involved. You have to understand what the interest rates are going to be because they are going to be higher. And you have to kind of have your exit strategy planned going into it. So I have no problem using a hard money lender and taking like a 12% interest rate just to be able to get that property in. If I know that I'm still going to be cash flowing and then I have in my mind, okay, cool. This is the work I need to do with this. 
Then when I refinance, I'm paying my hard money lender back. And then I know my interest rate is going to drop and be here, which means my cash flow is going to be here. So mm-hmm. I think with those, you need to kind of plan ahead and make sure you know, how are you getting into this? How am I going to be paying for this? And how am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Then I think I always try to teach also for like those kind of risky people that are like, nope, real estate's my future. I want to get out of my job. Screw this. I'm ready to go. That's where really you're going to have to take on more of your own personal debt, where sometimes you're going to have to think about how you can use a credit card um, or other types of sources, your 401k, to be able to kind of fund those properties. Those are things that you can take loans against, even a whole life insurance policy. You can actually borrow money from your whole life, which is really borrowing money from yourself. What's Mm -hmm. cool using yourself as a bank and paying yourself back interest? So if you're able to do that and you're okay, once again, you might not be sleeping as well at night as the conservative group that I mentioned earlier would be, but you as the risk taker, you understand the value in that and you understand where you're trying to get through. So then that's where you take a little more debt on. That's where you say, cool, let me just borrow the minimum amount I need for the purchase for a property through a hard money lender or a private lender. I'm just going to put all of the renovations on that Home Depot credit card. And then I'm going to move that to a balance transfer and carry that over. So I still have 0% interest for 36 months to pay that off. You know, and then if you can cash flow that appropriately, if you did your analysis at the beginning, you're kind of still golden. That makes a lot of sense though. But to get really clear, like on paper, this is my plan and then stick to it. So here's a, here's a question. What about when things don't go according to plan? Well, that's where I think it's important to assess your risk first. (laughs) Okay. That conservative person that wants to check all your numbers. Well, let's not go putting thousands of dollars on credit cards that you don't have a plan to pay back. So, you know, in that sense, sometimes people are going to end up losing in this. They are. If you don't do your due diligence up front and you lose, well, I kind of can't help you at that point. There are exit strategies to get out of things. So I always try to tell like our members of Lady Landlords, you have to have a goal first. You have to know what it is you're working towards. You want to make sure to have a very, very clear. You can't be like, ooh, I think I'm going to buy a single family in Oklahoma, or maybe it'll be a fourplex in Texas, or maybe it'll be, no, you have to come down to what it is that you're looking for. Do you need that money just because you want to be able to pay your car bill every month off? Do you want to be able to be paying a mortgage payment? How much money are you looking for making? And then kind of work backwards from it. Then when you have that goal and that plan, break that down into kind of smaller sets from not being like, cool, I want to quit my job in 10 years. That's a great plan, but how are you going to get there? You need to make the smaller goals in between it. And then when you assess your risk tolerance in between saying like, okay, you know what? I actually want to retire this year and I'm cool if I end up having to go bankrupt, if I don't do this right. Well, you already assessed that. You know that about yourself. If you're a person that's not okay with what I just said and you're like, nope, I just want to make sure like I can put my head on that pillow every night and know that like I'm going to have my home there. Well, that's where you're going to have to take a little bit more of a conservative approach, but you have to understand that the rewards are going to equal your risk. If you're going to be conservative, that's the return you're going to continue to get. Gotcha. Um, So another question that I am really excited to hear your thoughts on are, what are some of the advantages of being a female investor in today's market? You've built a group for lady landlords, obviously. Um, what What are some of the advantages for, for women investors. And also what do you think, like I shared with you when we were booking this podcast, we have 
a lot of members in our Facebook group. We have a lot of investors. It's a, it's a male dominated, it's a male dominated world. Why do you think that is? Um, okay. I'll start with that one first and then I'll go backwards. So I think that this is just a male dominated world because I think we're still kind of moving out of the generations of the older gentleman. That's the attorney, the bank, the banker, that type of thing. I think now we're seeing clearly in the past, you know, 40, 50 years, we're seeing many more women in the workforce, but it wasn't always that way. And even when women were entering the workforce, we got to be like, you know, secretaries. We weren't the people that were actually getting to be the the mortgage brokers and the underwriters and the people in that position. So I feel like, I feel like we're slowly starting to see that change. But then I also feel, especially for the younger investors, I feel that we're kind of going into this world and all we're seeing are these, you know, 50... 60 year old men that have been in these positions that have, you know, the stuffy tie and the jacket. And that's, that's intimidating. And honestly, that's intimidating for a younger man as well. I'm sure kind of going into this, still trying to learn. Um, but I think that we're going to definitely see a, a swap in that. Like, I think it's so cool when I get to meet like an older woman that's like, Oh yeah, I've been a mortgage broker for like 30 years. And she'll tell me stories about how like, she was the only one in the office, you know, nobody liked to talk to her. Nobody would get her coffee in the morning, like all the men, you know, and it's, it's really kind of cool to see that shift as women are really getting advanced degrees and we're getting into fields that were more predominantly male, like medicine, mm-hmm. law, finance. I mean, those are kind of the big three that come to my name, to my mind off the bat. What I think is unique about women and the ways that we can actually be a part of this is one, we are coming from a much more educated background. Women have a lot more opportunities for higher education than we did many years ago. So I think that's just kind of setting us off in the right spot. But because we're going into these situations where we're still a little hesitant being like, cool, I'm the only woman in this room. And we just have that natural, okay, we're going to look different than the other people here. We tend to still kind of keep a little more quiet, but women have a very strong ability to listen and to want to learn. And actually, I have to share this story because I think it was hysterical. So my brothers live in upstate New York, not near the city. And they are big hunters and they have their pickup trucks and that's what they like to do. So years ago, I went with my brother to a shooting range. And the instructor at the shooting range was like, oh, thank God. Like, I love when women come to the shooting range. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Like, why? And he was like, women are always willing to listen and learn. The men come in and they think they know everything and they're the ones that end up shooting off their fingers. You know, it's like, I love working with women because they'll come and they want to make sure that they understand the process. They want to understand kind of their safety net. And I just, I've never, that was probably 15 years ago. I never forgot that he said that. And I feel like real estate's the same way. I feel like women are going to go in. We might get stuck a little more on that analysis paralysis kind of stage, but that's what I really hope that we're going to be able to change as we're all working together and kind of educating ourselves The other thing that I think really helps women within real estate is real estate is a relationship building field and women, we are just naturally very good at building relationships. That does not mean that men cannot do it, but I think that's much more of, of an innate ability that women have is to be able to connect and grow those relationships and stay in touch. Um, And since I do think, as I mentioned much earlier in this podcast, that I feel that networking is so important to this. I do think that women have a leg up there. A hundred percent. Like we were, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, we were huddled up in the caves and we were talking to each other while the guys were out hunting the woolly mammoth or, or whatever. Um, I've also noticed that women, 
we do tend to be more risk adverse. So do you find that to be true with like the women that you're engaging in your, in your group? Do they, um, do more of them fall on the, on the scale of like more caution buyers? Like they would be less likely to be the ones to max out all the credit cards and, and just totally go nuts. Yes. But see, once again, even the words that you use, the idea of go nuts. Yes. That's usually not going to be most women. We're going to be the ones that are going to think through this, think realistically, say, okay, what's the best way to kind of reach like kind of the goal that I want to get to? What am I really looking for? A lot of women, once again, going back to kind of, you know, caveman land here, women look for security and we look for safety. Yeah. So a lot of the women that I see like in the group are really looking to either just support our family with income to be able to stay home and take care of their kids and not have to leave them with the babysitter throughout the day. They want to be able to feel like they're contributing with if their husband's at work or if their partner, whoever that may be, is, is working. They want to make sure that they're contributing, but they want to make sure also that they are financially stable. So I feel like that's where I see a lot more women going through the steps to educate themselves and then finally pulling the trigger. So that's where I will say that like I do find some women get stuck in that analysis paralysis where they can't make that decision until they have all of the answers. But once again, no one has a crystal ball here. So. Yeah we unfortunately we can't do that. So there is a point where we have to take kind of that leap of faith, just as you would in any business as an entrepreneur or any really decision in life. But I do feel that women will weigh out the pros and cons to things much more and will make an educated decision from a, from a better position. So I love getting to see that. I love women that'll go through, do their due diligence, and then decide what to do moving forward. And I love having lady landlords because we get a lot of questions in our group being like, hey, so my realtor is a dude. I don't want to ask him this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going here, ask this question, make sure that I can go back knowledgeably and confidently and go and tell my realtor what we're going to do. So I think that's really great that they still want that information, but I love that they're looking for other women that have been there and done that to help them through that. Yeah, totally. I, I think there are some great questions in your group. And what I wanted to, I wanted to ask, like in the beginning of the podcast, we kind of sped through like your background and then you started this group. Where did that, where did that inspiration come from? How did you come up with that idea? And what has the journey been like since you started the group and started, you know, educating primarily women about getting started in real estate investing? So it actually, it came from another woman. Um, it came from, I was in another, someone else's Facebook group um, that's run by two women. And I was trying to figure out like, okay, I want to grow. I want to buy more properties. I want to figure out how to do it faster. Kind of like what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I don't know how to do that. And I had gotten some advice from um, some people that I knew in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing. I was just kind of like, eh, thanks for your advice. Not really what I was looking for, that type of thing. So one of the women from this group was just like, Becky, like, why don't we just hop on a call? Like, I have no problem sharing with you um, what I learned. So I was like, okay, like, this is awesome. And I talked to her and I felt like I had like this big sister that just like took me under her wing and was like, don't worry, I got you. And walked me through and shared her experience with me. And I was like, that's so cool. I'm like, well, if I want something like that, I'm sure that there's other people that do too. Um, So I really created the group so I could ask my own questions. That's (laughs) awesome. I'm probably my own like most popular member. Like I probably ask more questions in that group than probably anybody else because we're all still learning. And I've always been kind of from that, um, kind of from like that kid in school that like, if you have that question, somebody else does. 
So I love when like I'll go and post a question and people are like, oh my God, Becky, thank you for posting that because I didn't want to ask it. So thanks that you did. And I'm like, yeah, nope, because I have the same question. There's thousands of us that do, so why not? Um, so the group started really from that. And then that's all I really planned on it being, Devin. I just planned on it being a place where people can ask questions and feel that there was no judgment. And then people really just started asking for resources. People were, at one point, a lot of people in the group were new and were like, hey, listen, I've never bought a property. I don't really know where to start. Like, mm-hmm. where can I start? And I was like, okay, I'll give you a course then. So I created the Beginner's Guide to Real Estate Investing, which gives you like the first four steps you need to go and buy a property. Um, so I did that. And then I got response from people in the group being like, cool, thanks for helping them out. I own one property, but I want to grow and buy more. How do I do that? So I said, okay, well, then I'll put together the intermediates guide to real estate investing. (laughs) So we did that. And then right now I'm really just building what people are asking for. So one of the things that people wanted was once again, women liking to kind of build those relationships is that they were actually looking to kind of meet and finally have some human interaction. So we're doing our first meetup in New York next Thursday night where we're getting a couple people together and we're going to do a talk about just saving for your down payment and kind of how to make sure that you are financially ready and prepared to be able to do that. And people are coming just because they want to meet that woman that helped them in the group a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of coming to see what everybody else is doing and really kind of network. I don't think anybody's even going to listen to me. I think they're all just so excited to meet each other finally. Um, so I just really kind of look for feedback. And then I, I try to fill the need of what people want. I think it's brilliant that you created, created the group so that you could answer your own questions. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's really smart. Um, our group, we, we don't quite have, um, the same kind of engagement going on, but the members in our group are constantly answering each other's questions. And it's great, you know, to get feedback, not just from, from us all the time, but from other people in the group who are following a similar strategy. Do you, do you notice in your group are most of the women following the same kind of strategy that you are, or is it just like totally diverse? Totally all over. We have one lady in the group. Um, She's, I want to say like around 50 years old. Okay. She is actually a contractor and she's been doing fix and flips on her own. Wow. On her own for like 30 years now. So she's like my go-to whenever somebody's like, hey, I was looking at this property. The home inspector said X, Y, Z. Hey, does anybody, like, can they tell anything more about that? I'm like, Eileen, get over here. Like, this is your question. So we have women that are contractors. We have women that work in the financial field. We have women, women that are underwriters. We have other women that love the small family, the um, small multifamilies like I do. We have women that are in syndication that have massive projects from, from all around the country. We have people from all different walks of life. We have people now that have never bought a property and that's okay too, because they're there to learn. And it's just really cool to see what you could do with real estate investing. That's not just owning a rental. That's fix and flips. That's syndication. That's wholesaling. There's so many different things that you could do with that. You could be a realtor. I mean, that's still within this world. And it's just so cool to see thousands of women carving out their own space in this industry and just crushing it. Like, I I love it. I really do. That's fantastic. Yeah. There's so many different ways to, to get involved in real estate investing. You Mm -hmm. know, it's such a a varied industry. 
Um, I, th I think your group is really cool and I love participating in it. I'm curious where, where do you see it going in the future? Cause I think you've been talking about maybe, you know, you're going to do this one event in New York. Do you think you'll do other offerings for education? Yeah. Is any of it free? How can people access it? Sure. Like, where can they find the content that you've created? Sure. So finding free content, the easy way, easiest way to do that is in the Facebook group, Lady Landlords itself, or on my YouTube, which is Live Free with Becky Nova. There I have like a hundred videos that walk you through tons of different facets um, of real estate investing. And they're all like five minutes long. So because I have a short attention span, so I know I don't, don't want to listen to myself for five minutes. Nobody else wants to. So they're great little just short clips of information and it just gets direct to the point, gives you the answer, and then you can go on and take action. I'm really big with that like, cool, you now are educated. Now let's take a step and do it. So yeah. that's really where you can find like the free content there. I definitely plan on being able to get out and start to have groups where more people can be helped locally. But honestly, Devin, like I hope in like 10 years, we're talking about like the lady landlords national convention with like thousands of women flying for like the weekend to, you know, Orlando and just having like speaker after speaker after speaker of just women that have just really found success in real estate and also have a mission of sharing that with other women. So that's where I would like to go. So I feel like we'll get there. But that's awesome. To grow. <laughs> um, I'm curious, what have you seen with, with your business personally and heard from women in your group with just all the volatility that's been in the market and everything that's been going on for the last six months? Um, you know, how has that affected you and how have you seen it affect some of the women in your group? Are people like, are they taking advantage? Are they leaning in to the opportunity or are they, are they getting afraid? I think at least from the group, and then I'm going to share like a little personal story, but from the group's perspective, I think the biggest shock is that really the markets are just going completely nuts. I think we are all very shocked that own rentals with how many applicants we're having right now, we're seeing definitely increased numbers there. We're seeing much more competition for rentals because I feel like there's a lot more restrictions on being able to get funding to buy your own home. So I feel like a lot more people are really stuck in the situation where they have to rent where they might've necessarily wanted to buy a property. So I think if you're in the rental market right now in a kind of popular area, I think you're kind of sitting pretty right now. Mm -hmm. um, from housing prices, I think we're a little inflated in some areas, um, probably because of that, but also just outside of, like outside of cities, like people are just going nuts. Like I know here in New York, there's like a mass exodus of people that are just trying to leave the city and move to the suburbs. So- totally. As I mentioned earlier, my strategy is multifamilies in kind of that class C moving to like a B area, really like right in, within the city. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Bronx, Yonkers, which is just north of the city, that type of area. But honestly, I actually switched up my own strategy and I said, you know what? Like instead of sitting here saving for my next multifamily, which in the area that I like to buy in is about a million dollars, instead of saving for the down payment for that, or figuring out how I can make my numbers work to go with a hard money lender or private money lender. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my money in savings. And I just bought a place upstate. So I already, I want, found a place. It was completely turnkey. It was already came with tenants that had been living there for years that wanted to stay, took beautiful, beautiful uh, care of the property. So I was like, you know what? This is not, 
I, I like, Devin, I had to like Google like what this town was about because like I've never been there. And it was like, cool. So there's like four cows, like 16 chickens and, oh, there's some people that live there. Okay, cool. But it's, I went and checked it out. It is the coolest, like, like mainstream America, like street. Like it, it was just like the coolest place. It's a really, really cute town, but it's not, it wasn't necessarily in my plans to buy that. But right. what's going on? I was like, you know what? This is a great opportunity to pick up something else that I know that the market is increasing because I see so many other people that are looking to leave the city. So that was a place that I was able to buy when there was still a lot of confusion going on. Um, totally. But there are so many other people in Lady Landlords that are coming just really shocked with how either housing is actually increasing and how rentals are absolutely going nuts. So I think that's, in my opinion, I feel like that's probably what it's going to be like for at least the next year or two. It's kind of helpful being in the pharmaceutical industry because I feel like I kind of get a little inside information <laughs> to what's going on with COVID. <laughs> um, so so I, I will say, I don't know if that counts as insider trading, but I find that's something really used <laughs> to my advantage in real estate. But I really do think that rental properties are going to be a really good place to be. I would personally avoid kind of your flips right now um, because people aren't really lending like they used to. And also it's harder to get funding to actually buy a property, which means trying to get out of your fix and flip might take you a little bit longer than planned. So that's what my concern would really be. But rentals, I, I mean, I've never had so many applicants and so many overqualified applicants for the last couple of rentals that I had coming up. So I think that really that buy and hold is kind of the, the perfect strategy to get us through a little bit of the storm right now. I agree a hundred percent. I'm a huge fan of buy and hold. And I love that the last move that you made was a turnkey deal. So yeah. like, what was, what was that like? Was it completely 100% turnkey? So you didn't have to do any work. You just got to put your money to work for you. Yeah. I, so that was what I wanted. I was like, okay, I'm going to go search for places that are going to be about an hour away from where I live. So that way I don't have to pay for a um, property manager. I'll mm -hmm. still manage myself. But then clearly because of that, I wanted tenants that were going to be there long-term and I wanted there to be like no extensive crazy work that I would have to do. Um, I'm a New Yorker. I hate driving. I'm really, really bad at driving. Nobody wants me driving more than an hour away from my house. I'm so, bad at driving too, but <laughs> I'm in Nashville. You do not want me on the roads. So we wanted this to be completely turnkey. So I found this place. I went and looked at a couple places upstate and a bunch of them, they needed more work than I was willing to put in. They just mm -hmm. weren't what I was really looking for. There was actually one place I had an accepted offer on that I'm really glad that that fell through because it just really was not, it wasn't the best decision. It would not have, it would have worked, but it was not nearly as good as the deal that I ended up with in the end. Um, so I found this place since it was during COVID here in New York, they couldn't do traditional open houses. So they had to have all of us that were looking to buy the property wait outside in like a line <laughs> to be able to go in and see the property. Um, and then they, the realtor took one person at a time. So it was great because I got to talk to all the other people that were bidding on this property and it, it did have a ton of action. There were about 15 other people that had, that were at that one open house the first night that I was there. And I went in and I was like, this place is just gorgeous. You could tell that the tenants there really made it their home and were really invested in staying there. And that meant a lot to me. So I knew what my numbers were. I put in my offer that night. Um, and then clearly I ended up getting it. And then when we went and did the inspection, so I've used the same inspector, right? I like that idea of finding your team, 
knowing who your attorney is, knowing who your realtor is, knowing who your inspector is. So my inspector that's done multiple inspections for me by this time, when he saw this property too, he was like, oh my God, you're not buying like a total POS in the middle of the city. He's like, this is fantastic. So I was like, thanks very much. But his report came back and normally like we'd have to sit down and go through things and there would be like a ton of issues and there'd be negotiations back and forth about this problem to fix and this problem to fix. And he even said, he's like, this place has like nothing wrong with it. He's like, oh, sorry to tell you, you have to change like one outlet cover. And I was like, that's cool. Like I, I can do that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it really was, it was something that it was, the tenants are there. They have months more on their lease. You know, you get to a closing and people hand you a check for, you know, the tenants that are already living there. And I have no work, no upgrades to do on it for about five years. That's I mean, fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. It was the perfect property to buy, especially in this type of environment right now. But I, I could not have been happier with going with a turnkey option. A lot of, obviously a lot of our audience, that's what they're interested in. We, um, we have quite a few busy entrepreneurs or professionals that are in our group. Um, and that's exactly what they're, they're looking for. They want to invest in real estate, but they, they don't have the time yeah. at all do any kind of the repairs. Um, so what advice would you give to anybody who's like on the fence thinking about possibly getting started in investing in real estate, no matter what kind, whether it was wholesaling or, you know, what would you say is like the first step to moving forward? Um, I hope this is an okay answer. That to me goes right to mindset. You have to think about why this is important to you. Why is it real estate that you want to invest in? Why is it not, let's just go put my money in bonds or something less risky, right? Like, why am I not just going to go put more money into my 401k? Like, you really have to say, like, what is it about real estate that I find appealing about this? How does this help me reach my goals? And I feel like when you really have, like, your why, like, in front of you, and as a reminder, like, this is why this is important to me, I feel like it makes it much easier to take those first steps. For example, as I said before, my husband is an immigrant to this country. He's been in the United States for about 10 years. Um, He moved here when he was 18, 19 years old. So he was already kind of past high school. Getting into college, a traditional college, wasn't going to work for him. Um, So he really kind of had to go to work. Um, So he's not going to have a traditional retirement. So everything that we kind of build and all the properties that we buy, like whenever I look at him, he just, I feel like he has like that blinking sign in his forehead that's like, I need a retirement plan. Um, and I'm not going to share my 401k with him. So, so to me, it's like, okay, that's my why this is incredibly important because I understand why using re why using real estate is the best tool for what I want right now. So I feel like someone's really on the fence with that. They have to think about like, why is it that they're important in this? Why do they decide in the middle of their day that they're going to hop on and spend an hour on their call listening to this, but yet they're not going to take those first steps. They need to figure out what their why is and then figure out what's kind of stopping them in between there. A lot of times I feel like real estate investors, we are stopped by fear. We are just afraid of the unknown and we're not willing to take that step. But listen, if you figured out why, what your why is, and you know that this is what you want moving forward and that real estate's the way to get there, and you know what your goal is, and you have that planned out, and you know how to analyze your deal, and you have the right team in place, well, you've done everything you can. Now it's time to take action. There's no reason to have fear if you've done your due diligence. Now it's time to really put your money where your mouth is. Boom. (laughs) Mic drop. That was great. Okay. I've incorporated quite a few questions that have come up from the audience in our discussion, but there's a couple um, that I haven't gotten to quite yet. 
So one of them was um, about hard money loans. Um, What's the typical length of a loan? And if it's private money, um, how do you, how do you get it set up legally? So I guess what does the documentation or the paperwork look like for private money loans and or hard money loans? Sure. So I feel with a hard money loan, you're looking at probably more of like a six to 18 month typical uh, term length. Um, it's really kind of depends on the project and on the lender. And what I think is really cool about hard money lending and private money lending is you can actually work out those terms. That's also what I like about seller financing is it's your terms that you say, hey, listen, you're shopping you. In those situations of a hard money loan or a private lender, you are really the person that's going in there and is really pitching somebody on, hey, I got this deal. Here's how the numbers work. This is what I need. Here are the terms I'm looking for. Here's the money I'm looking for. Do you want it or not? So I feel like it's important to remember that you're kind of the one in the driver's seat with those types of principles. Um, with the private money lending question, with um, read me that one again. It was how do you come up with how do you do it legally? Was that the question? Uh, yeah, like the paperwork. Sure. So a lot of private money lenders are actually going to have kind of your sets of paperwork together. It's really important to have your contract, to have your and your terms put together. And when I say terms, I'm talking about like the one is it paid back, what the interest is going to be, all those little like fine details, not just what is the principal balance that you're borrowing. Um, and always, always, always anything in real estate, use an attorney, like a real attorney, like not just like, you know, I say this in lady landlords all the time. I'm like, listen, we can give you our opinions on what laws are, but please talk to a lawyer. Do not take opinion. Do not take, you know, opinions from people on Facebook as, you know, legal advice. Like that's where I find it really important to make sure you have this reviewed by an attorney, an attorney that understands real estate investing, not yeah. just your regular real estate attorney, but one that really gets invested. Um, that's the way to do it. Have somebody that's on your side, on your team that can advise you through that. But remember that you were in the driver's seat with hard money lenders and with private money lenders. You put out what you're looking for. You sell yourself and you sell your deal. Love it. Um, okay. I have another question from a gal who's, she says, I've always managed my own properties when looking for a property manager. What should I look for? Um, of course I have opinions cause I used to have a property management company. So I have opinions, but you're the guest today. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Sure. I mean, my question kind of back to, to her would be, well, why are you looking for a property manager if you are managing them yourself? There's probably something in there that you that is either like frustrating you that you don't want to have to deal with anymore or you're looking for a change. So I would figure out and identify whatever that problem was that you're having, which is why you don't want to do it anymore and make sure that's the other person's specialty. So I tend to look for property managers that also tend to work with, um, with real estate investment companies, either like property development agencies or even real estate firms um, that have their agents that really understand that type of work. So I think when it comes to a property manager, there's kind of different levels. You can really have that full service, somebody that's going to you know, help find your applicants and go through the screening process and really kind of manage things 100% through. Or you can kind of find that person that's just going to help with cutting the grass and, and dealing with like trash and those types of day-to-day -day things. So I think you really need to identify what it is that you need in a property manager and what is it that you are not enjoying about managing it yourself and then find a person that's an expert in that. That's a great answer. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I think I've incorporated most of the questions either in our discussion or asked them directly. 
so Becky, are there any like final words that you would like to share with everybody watching today before we sign off? Um, my overall advice to everybody is set a goal, take action. I feel like I said before, I feel like we get so stuck and is, is this the right decision? Is this not the right decision? And honestly, if you're here listening to this, you clearly have the experience. You have the people around you to help educate you. Make sure you check your boxes and then just move forward. You're ready for that next step. Awesome. So everybody, if you, um, well, not everybody, ladies, <laughs> if you want to get into Becky's Facebook group, it is called Lady Landlords, easy to find on Facebook. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and anybody in our audience, you know, if you're curious about what it looks like to, um, to start investing in real estate with a turnkey deal, I would love to chat with you. You can visit wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist to chat with me. Um, and of course, Becky, uh, share your YouTube channel again for, for people that might want to check that out for your free content. Sure. And also for the men, men are allowed on the YouTube channel. <laughs> um, <laughs> YouTube is live free with Becky Nova. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Becky, for joining me. It's been a blast. Um, and I I'll be in constant contact with you because I'm in your group and I love it. So thanks so much for joining today and we'll see you guys. Um, see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.